DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Tana Grinda, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm great. So I actually got connected with you via uh, Lindsay Persico, and you train people to actually hunt as far as help them physically, you know, with these adverse challenges as far as traveling up mountains and down mountains and through hills and all these things. And and, um, I'd like to hear some more about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, Lindsay is my amazing assistant coach. Love her. But I I don't know. It's kind of interesting how I fell into this. I just grew up hunting. I loved it. I have some brothers that are really tall. I'm 5'5". Five, five. They're 6'4". Um, and so trying to keep up with them most of my life was pretty difficult. So I had to train extra hard in order to keep up with them hunting. And when I started this online business, it was mainly to keep people healthy. I wanted to teach them how to you know, live a sustainable lifestyle and not diet and do crash diets and fads and all of that. I wanted to really teach them how to be healthy for the long term. And as I got into it more, I started attracting a lot of people just like me that love the outdoors, that love hunting. And a lot of their goals revolved around that. And so I was like, Hey, maybe I can make this into something. And so, um, that's kind of what I do now is I just, I train people for their specific goals whether it is hunting or whether it is running a marathon or whatever it is, I want to tailor program to their specific goals because health is about living your life, you know, living the life how you want. So that's kind of my philosophy, I guess, in my training style, if you will. And you're in Alaska right now. Yeah. So where are you? Are you from there? No, I'm originally from Idaho. And then I, on myself up here and I never want to leave. <laughs> I love it. I've never been, but I've seen a bunch of photos and it's beautiful. It looks like, you know, the people I've talked to love it that have been. So what, um, not only that, but you're also a super avid hunter and I've seen quite a bit of impressive, you know, kills. <laughs> I mean, from shooting <laughs> a massive caribou moose and then, you know, bear with a bow. Can we talk about some of that? Is it, it's like, are you more, are you leaning to more, more archery now? I do both. Okay. Yeah. Whatever's convenient. <laughs> okay. So it's one of those things, just however it works out. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up mostly rifle hunting, but I also grew up with a bow. And so I love archery. But I also want to fill the freezer, and when you're archery hunting, you don't always come home with an animal because it's a lot yeah. more challenging. So um, I was really, really adamant about getting that bear with my bow. Like, that was a, a no-rifle kind of hunt. Like, my husband was my backup with a rifle. He tried talking me into using the rifle. I'm like, no, I want to do this with a bow. Like, that was what I wanted to do. So once I set my mind to it, I can do it. Um, but then there are some times that I'm like, I'm not letting that animal get away. I throw it on the bow, pick up the rifle. Right, right. <laughs> get it done. Because um, I have a hard time watching animals get away. So. <laughs> well, I know there's been um, I know there's been quite a few people that um, have transitioned to doing only archery, and they're super adamant about it. It's one of those things. It's like a movement I've seen over the past. Right. Years. <laughs> so I didn't know if you were one of those advocates. I didn't want to, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not a purist really <laughs> but that is um, it's, it's very impressive i mean there's not very many people that can say they've take, taken down that large an animal with an you know a bow and arrow yeah and uh call me crazy but this year i 
sold my compound and I bought a trad bow. And so I was like, I don't really want to be a part of the trad, you know, (laughs) and just be like, Oh, trad or nothing. Like I'm still going to hunt with other weapons. Um, but it's just that extra challenge that I think kind of pulled me to it. So I'm going to try trad bow. And that's kind of my long-term goal is to then get a big Brown bear with a trad bow. So trans basically for people who are watching or listening, that's traditional. Yeah. And it's would basically a primitive bow, which is <laughs> literally a bow and arrow. Just no, like a stick. No pulleys, no nothing. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, these things are. It's it's crazy what's happened in the hunting world. Um, but what's very interesting is you're doing something to add to the movement because you know for years and forever people have went on these hunts and stuff and these people pay all this money to go on these guided hunts and go up in the mountains and they almost they just aren't in shape to do it you know what i mean it's something that you're doing it for a living and i mean you're actually you know keeping everything you kill and you do that a lot but some people are just doing this for sport but not only that they don't realize how much physical toll it takes in your body just to do just like say just for instance like like an elk hunt you know yeah now, what was yeah, you it's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I've known a lot of people quit before they fill their tag because they're tired and yeah. they hit a wall and they're winded and they just can't go that extra ridge or people are like, oh, I saw an elk two miles away. Um, I'm like, well, why didn't you kill it? Well, I, I couldn't make it over there, you know? So <laughs> I feel like, you know, hunting is kind of like a marathon. It's yeah. not a, it's not a quick race. It's a long race and you have to have the endurance to kind of out, outlast that race. And so, um, that, I don't know. I just feel like it's so important to prepare for it physically, mentally, um, having the right gear, having your weapon dialed and all of that. But if one of those pieces aren't there, it's kind of like doing a triathlon without a bike. Like you wouldn't do that, right? right. <laughs> you're, you're doing a marathon without training for it. You wouldn't do it. And so I feel like it just gives you that extra edge to be a more successful hunter if you're prepared in all areas, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I agree. I, I've kind of, it's interesting because I'm in the Southern part of the United States and it, I don't really consider this hunting. I grew up doing it, you know what I mean? And I had this conversation with, with Lindsay months back. Um, but basically, like, we we set out plots, build stands, and then wait for them to... Right. not real to me. Like, I, I lost interest in it years ago as I was growing, you know, coming up as a teenager. And I just... These people that, you know, the, the high-fence ranches, I understand that's a, that's a huge industry in that and building these genetic, mutated, crazy white tails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I have a... a a large like newfound respect for people that, that's in your movement because it's just all traditional you know yeah you guys are flying your plane and landing in certain areas and just like i mean how does that work tell me how that works like so first off i know you do have a wide variety of hunting what's your favorite animal to hunt it's kind of hard. I have a favorite for every season, like, uh, okay. you know, hunting season moose is like my top favorite trapping season wolves. Like I love predator hunting, but then you get to spring and it's like, well, bears are really fun. So I have a hard time picking just one. I would say if I could only hunt one for the rest of my life, it'd probably be moose. Cause that would feed me. Um, but predator hunting is also really up there for me. It's just a lot of fun and it, sustains our caribou and moose herd so um i don't know i love moose 
a lot of people in Alaska are big into sheep, and I've done sheep hunting, but I can't say it's like, my favorite. Like, like, like <laughs> pronghorn or like what? Um, doll sheep. Doll sheep. I, I don't. I, I'm not familiar with those. I don't guess. <coughs> yeah, they're well, the white ones. Like a, girl. Like a goat, right? Yeah. Yep. We don't have those here. Do we have, have mountain goats. Mountain goats. Mountain That's goat. what I'm thinking of. What? Mountain goat, not pronghorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I've hunted those too. They're definitely difficult to get to. Yeah. Uh, not sheep, and then we've got brown bears, bison, muskox, moose, caribou, all the predators. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Blacktail. So yeah, there's like ten different big game species. I want to say that you can hunt here in Alaska. And you. Um, so about the wolf. So I'm. I like wolves. I used to raise wolf hybrids here locally, which okay. are a lot smaller than what you're hunting. And I've always found that interesting. Like how big are those wolves there in Alaska? Uh, you know, rumors of big, huge wolves don't really exist of like 150 pounds. I know of one, the biggest one we've weighed on the scale was 136. That's a, that's the, um, that's a very large dog. <laughs> yeah. On average, I would say like 92 110 is pretty average for a, a mature, you know, alpha or um, alpha male and female. And then the younger ones range from like 70 to 80. Okay. So. Gotcha. And so what about how your layout is? So I see you guys using the plane a lot. How do you know how to use that and navigate different areas of the um, state or, you know, what's your layout there? Yeah. So, you know, our, our plane is like our car and, and we get crap sometimes from people like, Oh, you're cheating. And I'm like, uh, it's not any different than like taking your truck out and scouting, you know, yeah. we, we don't have roads here, so we can't do that. Right. <laughs> so I live in the bush way out in the Dean Tuleys. And, uh, so our airplane is our only way to navigate unless you're right on our river with a boat and everybody has a boat, but not everybody has an airplane. So we want to use what can distance ourselves from a majority of people and get out in the wilderness, you know? So it's really like, just like you would be driving around in a truck, but you're flying and you're, you're kind of patterning the animals and you're seeing what they're doing. And, um, you can't hunt the same day you fly. And so, that keeps, I would say, the cheating out of it because yeah. you can fly and find an animal, but if you land a ways away and camp, they can be gone the next day. Right. And then you have to find them again, you know? So it's not a slam dunk just to have a super cub and fly around like everybody thinks. It still takes a lot of planning, a lot of logistics, and hard hunting. I mean, um, it's just tough out here. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of it is like flying around, patterning animals, figuring out. Um, where they're at, we do a lot of shed hunting, so that gives us a good idea of like what the moose are doing. Um, and then we have kind of like particular spots picked out to distance ourselves from people where we camp every single year and we hunt from there. We aren't always spotting our animals and like, oh, I'm going to go after that one. It's not like that. It's not, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. We're picking the same spot. We go into our hunting camp and we hunt. Um, no tree stands, none of that. I don't get that life at all just because we can't do that here. You, everything is spot in stock. Everything is hiking your butt off, trying to get stuff and then packing it all out and then flying it all out. So, so that, that's, that was my next yeah. question is you're packing that, you're packing that animal. I mean, you're field dressing it, cutting it down and everything. And then you're packing it and you're putting it in that plane too. That's crazy to me. Yep. It takes a lot of shuttles sometimes to put everything because our airplane is really small. It's a two, two seater. It's a cub. So there's not a lot of room. 
Um, so oftentimes I'm doing several trips out between the meat and the hides and the gear and people and like everything that you've got. So it's definitely a logistical nightmare sometimes. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, um, yeah, because I've, I've seen that like with a lot of these elk hunts and stuff and, and I'm just using this for reference because I've never been where you're at, but uh, as far as, you know, having to use the horses, once you get past point of you can't use an ATV or a truck anymore right, right. to that next level of, you know, altitude where you can't travel. So, I mean, it's, it's similar, similar to that layout anyways. Yeah. So, you know, you can be in a boat and get so far and then right. um, you can have a, another airplane that maybe can't land as short as a cub and they can only get so far. And then you have like the other 20% of areas that you can land. And then um, you want to go where like only 5% of people can land. And my husband's an incredible pilot. So we have a cub, which I think is the best Alaska airplane as far as like short, um, short spots and being kind of a workhorse. Um, so he's a very, very skilled pilot. He can get us into places that I, I've never seen people go into other than like very, very skilled cub pilots. So it really just kind of like separates us. That's the goal is to separate ourselves from people because in the lower 48, you're just surrounded by yeah, people exactly. all the time. And we want to be in the middle of nowhere where there's not a soul for miles and we can just hunt and be on our own. So that that's the main goal with our airplane is just distancing ourselves and getting to that, you know, giving us that extra edge, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you de you guys definitely have it and, and it's super unique and very, very rare to find people that are, you know, so much purist in, in, in the way they hunt and, and how you're doing everything from, you know, stalking to camping to, you know, packing it out and walking it down, putting it back in the plane, doing it multiple trips. I mean, that's insane. It's a lot of work and just for your food. This is not for school. Yeah. You're not doing it once a year. You know, you're doing it all the time, year round, I'm assuming. Yep. And, uh, you know, when I lived in the lower 48 in Idaho, like it wasn't super common to do camping, no. hunting trips, you know? Like occasionally we'd backpack in with horses or something, but you could do day hunts all the time. Yeah. Go after work, get a bear after work. You know, anytime you hunt here with an airplane, you can't do that because you have to camp and you can't hunt till the next day. So every hunt turns into a long trip. You're planning week at a time or 10 days at a time. And um, anytime you go out, you are camping and waiting till the next day. And it usually takes a few days and then it takes a few days to fly everything out. And so um, it's definitely a, always a backpacking trip with an airplane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we hunt year round because out here we don't have a grocery store with meat. So we have to provide for our family that way. And we've got six kids. So Whoa. We go through hundreds of pounds of meat every I, year. I can imagine. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. Yes, and not, not only that, you have six. So what are their ages? One through 12. One through 12. So, so you, one, four, six, seven. No, one, four, six, eight, 11, and 12. <laughs> okay. Yeah, awesome. Are they, um, are, are, are they hunting too? Or are you guys, you know, you know, kind of dressing them to start doing the same kind of lifestyle or? Yep. Yeah. So they are actually Alaska native. We are fostering them to adopt. So we'll be adopting okay. them. To come. Um, but yeah, they lived with us for a few years and they're Alaska native. And so a big part of their culture is subsistence and fishing and hunting and um, sewing furs. And so a lot of what we do is teaching them that because mm -hmm. it's a big part of their culture and we want to make sure that we keep them connected to that. So my oldest girls, um, 
they can hunt as soon as they're 10, they can have their own tag younger. They can hunt on your tag. So we've been involving them, but my oldest girls, once they turned 10, they started hunting. Uh, my oldest actually shot a brown bear with me last year and she was 11 at 12 yards. So similar <laughs> to my bow hunts, we went yeah. down there, just me and her mother daughter hunt. And she shot one, um, with a 300. I mean, she's a tough little girl. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That, for those of you who don't know, that's a large, I mean, that's what I, I hunted with. Yeah. It's a large gun. <laughs> it's a very yeah. large caliber rifle. Yeah. <laughs> so anytime people are like, Oh, that's just too big of a gun. I'm like, my 11 year old can shoot a 300. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you think that little, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, she shot a bear. My other girl shot a black bear last year and they both shoot caribou every year. So they they're very much a part of it they love it um they picked up a traditional bow too so i've been teaching them and they've been hunting bunnies and we've been just um slowly building up their hunting skills too and they love it that's great what do you think tastes better um caribou or moose depends on the time of year i personally love caribou in august when they're in velvet before the rut in the rut dogs won't even eat them yeah. But it's better than moose. <laughs> you get it at the right time. So yeah. I love caribou. It's there's nothing better than in, than a young caribou in August that's in velvet. It's just it's amazing. Yeah, I haven't had caribou or moose. I believe I think I have had moose before, but it's been years ago. And I can't remember. But I've definitely had elk. I love it. Um, I love it over any like, yeah. you know over deer. But I'm sure caribou just seems like it would be even better than that. Yeah, it's just so hard to explain the difference between them you know they just all have their special yeah. taste but um yeah moose and elk i would say are kind of similar to me caribou is just very tender very flavorful not too gamey if you shoot them early enough but yeah like i said if you get them in the rut they're ugh, junk <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> that lactic acid the right time. <laughs> lactic acid running around chasing you know <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah so it's fun. let's go back to the fitness thing real quick um so how many people have you gotten to work with and like from all areas, I'm assuming since you're, you're working, you know, remotely and, and helping train these people, like what are some interesting stories that you've been able to help with or that have developed over the, the years? Yeah. You know, I've only been doing it for full time for about two and a half years. Okay. Um, in that time I've helped over a hundred clients. I only take on so many. I'm really not into like, producing for the masses and just bringing right. on a bunch of people with cookie cutter stuff. I really want to have like a select group of 20 to 30 people that I'm working with at a time. So right now I'm on a wait list, but Lindsay's taking clients and I have another coach that's taking clients right now. Um, so yeah, we work with just a close knit group of clients um, from all over the board. I would say I don't just train hunters. I train, you know, women with metabolic issues right. and with and with kids that struggle that gain weight after their babies, you know, like I, I really work with anybody for that sustainable lifestyle. Um, but just, it's really rewarding, you know, to help people reach their goals because I've helped people like be able to pull back their bow when they couldn't pull back their boat before. Yes. Um, or I helped like a 62 year old man last year, um, do a sheep hunt in Alaska like he came from the flatlands of the lower 48 and came up and did a super legit doll sheep hunt in Alaska and some really rough terrain. And he got a really nice Ram. And so just things like that, where you get to celebrate in their success for them. Um, 
that's kind of why I do it and I love it. And it's totally my dream job. It's like what I'm called to do, I feel like, but just getting to celebrate hunts with people and then being able to be a big part in their success in their hunt because they're like, Oh, I didn't die. Or yeah. oh, I actually felt really good. Or, Oh, my knee felt better than it ever has. Or, Oh, I got to pack to hundred pounds. And before I could only pack 50 or, Oh, I pulled my bow back and I didn't used to be able to, you know, all those things are just really rewarding, I guess, as a coach to help people, do that kind of thing and, and hit their goals. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing how it aligns where you're able to do you're able to do that and you're passionate about that and you're also passionate about the hunt too. So you're able to combine those things and, and like you said with other people too. I mean you um, you've competed before, right? I believe I saw some photos where you've done a fitness yeah. competition and stuff. So you're you've been privy to that world too, which is totally different. <laughs> yeah, I would say that was my quarter life crisis when I. Yeah. <laughs> Most people, I've been involved in that as well. Most people, like, they go through that. <laughs> you gotta go through that phase. <laughs> you know, that either launches you into full-fledged, you know, being healthy the rest of your life or never want to do it again kind of thing, you know? Yeah, you know, I enjoy it. It's a good learning experience, but, yeah, it wasn't, like, my passion or anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. good but you've, able, you've been able to see, you know, all areas is what I'm getting at, you know, from that to, yep. you know, being something that's more functional. You know, this is functional yeah. training. This is this is something we're using. This is not something we're just standing up and, you know, no offense, but this is not, we're just not standing and posing. This is and looking, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my clients will say that to you, like, oh, I don't have a six pack yet. I'm like, six pack isn't going to help you pack out of an elk, you know, oh. or um, it doesn't matter how good you look. Like if you can't perform and you can't hike 20 miles and you crash at mile three, cause you're so lean and you're starving yourself, then what's the point? So we have to look at it, like you said, from a functional performance perspective and not just, I want to look good. Cause we all know that that can just take away from the rest of your life. Yeah. Another area. Well, and I think I, it's I good, but I couldn't do anything. Right. <laughs> and I was starving. So <laughs> We'll post this photo with no no kill. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. I think it's great though because I think a lot of older, um, especially older gentlemen, um, get up in age and they want to start doing hunts like this, but they're not in shape. You know, they may have not lived a, a very healthy lifestyle, and they're trying to do you know make adjustments. You know, just yep. from people I know around here who have to. Oh, we're going to go on an elk hunt this year. They have to start training, but instead of staying in shape all the time, they just set that time aside just to train for a couple months and then go and then come back right to the health i mean their regular lifestyle right. where if they would actually learn some type of plan from someone like you mm -hmm. could you know this is something they could do on a daily basis the rest of their life so they're able to enjoy these things because a lot of people uh who may be younger they're not they're not going on these big hunts yet you know i just i've noticed yep. there's a lot of older you know people once yeah they, kids have grown and they can you know get mm -hmm. more funds together to travel and do these bigger hunts Absolutely. Yeah. We do have a lot of, um, I would say older clients that are preparing for hunts like that. So, and it, what you said is, is just so key that year round, you need to be prepared for this. And which is why a lot of my programs are like, I need to work with you for at least six months in order to get you to where you want to be or, or even up to a year. Like you're yeah. not going to get, where you want to be in two months. Like that's barely scratching the surface, right? Yeah. Habits take time. And so our goal at, at Bristol Bay Fitness and what Lindsay and myself and my other coach, Melanie, really preach is this has to be sustainable. And what we teach you now has to be something that you can maintain for the rest of your life. 
And that's really the whole purpose of it so that you can be healthy and do it on your own. And you're not just sitting there a month before hunting season, like, Oh shoot, I'm not ready. I better go run some miles. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, we really want to help you like sustain this year round and be able to do it forever, no matter what age you're at. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great because you, the, like, so what, what are some of the things that you put into action? Like people like, so like, for instance, I, you said something very interesting to me. You said six months, which is great because I, I've spent years in the past training people in whether it's, you know mixed martial arts uh, competition or just you know powerlifting or just weight loss. Yeah. But you always tell these people like you're going to have to. You're not going to see results for maybe the first two or three months. But in this type of training, it's not about seeing a, a weight on a scale, or it's not about seeing like mm-hmm. like you said earlier, like a six pack form. It's about seeing functional like change. Mm-hmm. So how are they, um, so how are they, these clients testing themselves before they're actually able to go into the field? Uh, like what, what are some things I incorporate or yeah. what are their goals or yeah. what? Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, yeah. Six months is kind of like scratching the surface for me. So yeah. we just started an unstoppable program in February a lot of these things are making sure that they can one manage the stress in their life so that their body's responding to what we give them. Because as you know, if you're training super hard, but you're not feeding yourself enough or you're under eating or you're super stressed, you're not sleeping or you're dehydrated and you're not drinking enough water, your body's not going to respond to the program that we're giving you. So a lot of the success we're looking at isn't just that scale number because that's a very small puzzle piece of the whole picture. It's how are you recovering? How is your soreness? You know, um, were you able to lift more weight this week than you did last week? Or if they're packing, were you able to add 60 pounds to your pack instead of 50? So it really depends on the person. It's hard to say like, this is the exact measure for every single person because everybody's different, but I want to see progressions and not just the progression that we all think is, is right. The scale number, the scales going down, (laughs) right? Like that is such a small piece to what is actually happening. I've had clients gain 10 pounds. I was about to say, yeah, I'd rather have more (laughs) weight on me with endurance than I would lose weight, you know? like they've gained 10 pounds, but like, holy crap, I can deadlift 300 and I can only deadlift 200 yeah. a few months ago, you know? So it's all kind of give and take and really assessing their progress from an individual level based on what their goals are, what they're doing. And are we making progress or are we not? And what do we need to do to change in order to make progress? Does that make yeah. sense? No, of course. Yeah, of course it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a open, a real open ended question. I apologize, but I was just thinking about all those variants coming together. <laughs> Um, so what does a typical pack out weigh? if say we shoot, say we shoot a moose, um, as much as you can carry. I mean, how do you, how does that work? Where we're at, you have to leave the bone in. So pretty average pack is a quarter, just a quarter without the pack is 110 to 120 pounds. And you're having possibly hiked that how far back? Well, if you're really dumb, (laughs) a mile or two. Yeah. I know people that won't go more than a quarter mile from their camp or the airplane because they don't want to pack too far. Yeah. I'm kind of dumb and I'm like, I see a big moose two miles away. Let's go get it and worry about the pack out later. (laughs) So uh, the furthest I've ever had to pack on was a mile through nasty alders and uphill. And so I'm only five, five and I weigh like 150 pounds. So 
120 pounds on my back is quite a bit. So that's been a big part of my training is not so much endurance, but leg and back strength to pack noose quarters because they're so big. Yeah, I can imagine. So if you, so <laughs> if it's you and your husband, you're going to have to do make two trips minimum. It's a lot. There's yeah. actually eight to nine packs. Oh, really? Week. Okay. Well, damn. Okay. So every uh, quarter, the neck, the neck meat is like two packs in itself. Um, then you've got the hide, you've got the horns. So, so you're roughly, roughly, so you may be roughly packing 10 miles if you're, if you shoot one a mile out then. It takes a good two to three days to pack out yeah. a moose from a mile away. Yeah, that's insane. That's a lot of work. So it what's is your, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, for it, and for all these hunters out there that just get their full wheeler and go show up to their deer stand <laughs> and then throw the deer <laughs> on the full wheeler. Um, yeah, no, this, this girl's doing it right here. So what's your diet like? I eat pretty, quote unquote, clean, if you okay. would say that. Um, I have a lot of like stomach issues that I've dealt with my whole life. So I can't do gluten and dairy. I would love to, if I could, but a lot of my diet is pretty high carb, uh, high protein, moderate fats. And a lot of my diet is salmon, caribou, moose. Um, and yeah, other than that, like pretty whole foods based because I feel best on it. And I perform the best on that. So I have to ship in produce from 300 miles away. That's how I get my fruit and my veggies. It's pretty tough to grow things where we're at. Um, and then other than that, we're just shipping things in online pretty much. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Like without protein, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> I don't yeah, that was my, that was going to be my question because yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm against, I've been off gluten for like 10 years. That was a choice. Not so much of a stomach thing, but I've noticed a difference when I'm on it and off it, but I'm more carnivore based now. That's kind of what I'm doing. Um, but okay. I like to promote anything, like anything. It, it, t- it depends on the person, you know, yeah. and how it affects them. Like th- this may work great for you, but yeah. for the other person, they absolutely cannot do it, you know? And you yeah. also need to, you are, if you are trying to make some kind of change like that, you need to at least a month to even know how your body's going to, adjust and react you know just if you feel bad for two or three days doesn't mean it's gonna you know what i mean like i yeah. see that a lot with people and people get you know deterred real quick because they're not feeling like they did two days ago but not realizing they're trying to change their inner body composition basically yeah yeah no it has to be you know based on the individual that's why there's so many different things out there because not one thing works for everybody um I was even talking to a gut doctor the other, well, when was it? A couple months ago, maybe. And she looked at my issues and she was like, you need to go off meat. And I was like, goodbye. (laughs) Lady, I live in a place where I can only live off meat. Like I can't, (laughs) I can't go to the grocery store every day and get stuff. (laughs) Like Goodbye. I will stick to my protein. (laughs) Like I have wild game, very, very wild game. And you're telling me you can't eat that. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it has to be has to work for your life. It has to help you feel good. It has to help you perform well. Um, and then being able to kind of adjust that based on your goals too. Whether you want to gain muscle, lose body fat, all that good stuff. You know. What's uh? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think these things are. You know, it's. I, I'll say this a lot on the podcast when we talk about really simple things, but they're so hard for people. Like the simplest things that really like you know what's going to make you 
perform better, live better, feel better. It's just changing like those instead of eating all these variety of all this processed stuff, these two or three things and just doing these tasks. And that's it. I mean, that's the re- resolve. There's no magic potion. There's no peel. You know? right. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. It's, there's just not like, it's just hard work and making those adjustments. Yep. And I mean, how many people do you know that know they should be drinking water, but don't, you know, yeah. like, that's such a basic, simple, oh, right. free thing, but no, right. like so many people don't do it. People make it so hard. They make it so hard on themselves. I'm like, dude, is there, here's the, here's the solution right here. Like, you know, drink one of these every day and, right. eat, and eat clean. That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I should, but I'm like, then do it. <laughs> oh, you, you said something earlier. You were talking about, um, you have to ship in your produce. So, I really want people to hear this process because if you're having to order this stuff and it's coming from that far away, how does it work for where you're at located and how does that ship in and everything? Because most people can just do yeah. their app on their phone, pull up to the grocery store and get it delivered to their vehicle. <laughs> you don't have yeah. that experience. No, no, no. Um, we have a tiny little store here and it's crazy expensive. Like I just went and bought some eggs yesterday for Easter for my kids because I didn't have time to ship any in. And it was, I think, ten dollars for eighteen eggs. So a dozen, dozen and a half, um, ten bucks. Yeah, it'd be like two. And milk's here. like, yeah, and milk's like fourteen dollars a gallon. So um, if that just gives you any idea, you don't even want to know what the produce costs. Like if I were to buy, and they don't even have that much. They have this tiny little section. It's like all processed foods, and then this tiny little section of like fresh produce, and an apple's like five dollars one apple <laughs> or six, you know avocados like one avocado is five dollars okay my 10 year old could eat a whole avocado so like it's just really really expensive so what i do is i have an instacart app which most people use that but i use it from here <laughs> yeah. and so i order costco in anchorage which is 300 miles away from here and the private shopper shops it for me I pay them to shop it and give them a tip and everything. And then they box it up, tape it up. They drop it off and deliver it to an airplane cargo company. That cargo company calls me. I pay for shipping on it, 60 cents a pound, which isn't fun, but it ends up being cheaper than buying it out here. Um, And then that cargo company, hopefully within a couple of days, ships it out here. And I go and pick it up at the airport when they call me. So it's kind of a big process. And that's how I grocery shop. I mean, there's really no other way to do it um, other than like maybe if my husband flies into town with an airplane and he brings a big airplane back i have him go to costco and get like bulk stuff you know flour and rice and oatmeal and like all that big bulky stuff for like a year's worth and bring that out so we always have a big supply in the pantry and then all the fresh stuff i'm doing every single week so we have like fresh fruit and veggies for about five days till it's gone and then i'm waiting for my next shipment to come in so it's definitely logistically hard sometimes especially if the weather's bad the airplanes can't fly in or if they um, just don't ship my stuff because they have terrible customer service sometimes. <laughs> and then it's like a week later I get like $500 worth of produce and it's all rotten. And then yeah. you're like, you know, so it's not ideal, but it's kind of like the sacrifice for living out here and having the experiences we do is having the, that struggle, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, for those of you that complain, cause you got to stop by the grocery store going home from work. You need to shut yeah, up. Yeah. I hate you. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
or they get your Amazon order every month on a specific day or whatever. Maybe. It's yeah, like whenever. twice a year that I get to walk in a grocery store and I'm like, oh, like this is heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, when you mentioned that, I said, man, I, there's got to be a process to that. Because if you're that remote out, you know, people, you know, I mean, people maybe have seen movies where, you know, the layout of, up there where you're at. But it's really insane of how far away you are from everything. Right. And most people, not everybody does that. I've done that because that's the way I get fresh produce and that's how I'm right. healthy. And I'd rather pay extra money to do that. Right. Most people just buy processed food or whatever they or can canned. get. Yeah. Yeah. Cans like processed and then they live fairly unhealthy and they don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't care. Whatever, whatever I need to do to get produce out here, yeah. I will do it. Um, and I have a family of eight I've got to feed. So it, Costco is kind of the way to go so i'm i'm really thankful that we have an avenue to ship it out here and we have yeah. a, an airplane that can drop it off you know yeah i mean i think that yeah that's just crazy to me but that you're you're that determined you're doing all this and you're still doing that too so i mean if if you can do it anybody can do it you know what i mean like <laughs> right there's no there should be no excuse you know if and someone's saying healthy food is expensive <laughs> yeah if someone's saying healthy food is expensive here in the lower 48 you're full of shit because <laughs> I don't even know what you, to, what you spend, but I know it's insane compared to what we do, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I don't, I, you can't put a price on how you feel. I mean, you just can't like people, you know, like you spend $7 on a Starbucks coffee, but you won't spend, you know, this on whatever it may be to enhance your diet. It just doesn't make any sense, but that's the world we live or- in. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I've had those conversations with a lot of my clients and they'll give me those same excuses. Healthy food's too expensive. Uh, I'm like, I pay this much a month for healthy food. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You pay now or you pay later with disease and illness and you might as well just prevent it. (laughs) So what's your stance since you're also out there remote, what's your stance on, um, you have limited, like, um, medical attention, you know, prescription, all are you, are you pretty much holistic? Yeah. Yep. We don't have a doctor nearby. So if anything were to happen, we have to be flying 300 miles <laughs> to the right. nearest hospital. Actually, there is a hospital in a closer village. So that'd be more like a hundred miles. Um, but to get to the main city in Anchorage, that's 300. So yeah, we don't have doctors out here. Notice she said village. She, she said village, not town or city. She said village. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call them out here is village. Yeah. Um, village life. But yeah, no medical stuff. I like to do things the most natural way as possible, obviously. There's probably a time and place for medication. But oftentimes, in my personal opinion, uh, medication is pushed before lifestyle stuff. Like if somebody's sleeping three hours, not drinking water and not eating healthy food, what's a, what's a pill going to do? You know, we can fix um, a lot of things with dietary and lifestyle changes before you turn to the medication. But unfortunately these days, a lot of people just want that quick fix and don't want to put in that effort. So it really depends on the person, but I definitely encourage more holistic, like, Let's, let's get your diet and lifestyle in check first before you even add supplements and medication and everything else, unless there is a specific time and place for it. Yeah, I can. I mean, I completely agree. I'm right here in the middle of it. And I still don't condone it. You know, it's one of these things where it's just, it's, you know, it's just over the years, we've gotten used to that type of attention. And if something's wrong, you immediately just go get a pill for it. Yep. Put Not the Band-Aid knowing. on. <laughs> Put the Band-Aid on. It'll go away, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, so are there any things that you may want to, um, any advice you want to push out there to anybody who may be, um, you know, whether it be wanting to get ready for a hunt, um, adjusting their lifestyle, uh, definitely doing something with their mindset because yours seems to be on point. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have that no excuses mentality. I feel like that we share that anyway. So, um, anything like that you want to throw out there? Yeah. You know, I might act all tough and stuff, but I've, I've been through my issues. I, I didn't always used to be strong willed and, um, but I am very much an encourager of the best thing that you can do is invest in yourself, whatever that is, whether it's getting a coach, whether it's paying for healthy food, whether it's paying for a gym membership, investing in yourself and being more preventative is going to help you in every single area of your life. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is they're like, Oh, I like, I feel terrible and I need help and I don't know what to do, but I don't want to invest in a coach. Like I really want you to coach me, but I can't afford it but I buy Starbucks every day, you know? So it's like the best thing that you can do is invest in yourself. I don't care what position that you're in, find somebody that can help you because we can all use help. Like we, we can't always do it on our own, no matter what your goals are, no matter what you're struggling with, even if you need a mindset coach, whatever it is, investing in yourself is the best thing you can do because it's going to help you in all areas of your life, in your work, in how you feel, in your mental health, um, in how you show up for your family and your friends or your work every single day. Like it's going to help you in every aspect. Your health is the foundation of everything. And if you're putting that to the backside, you're putting your life to the backside, in my opinion. So I don't know I mean, if that's too hard, but no, that's, that's, <laughs> that I mean, that's, I that's real. No one cares work harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for real, like that's awesome. So no excuses. I forgot to ask you. Yeah, exactly. One, real quick, one more thing. I completely forgot to ask you when you said something to make me think about it. When you said gym membership. You don't you don't have access to a gym. We actually have a tiny little gym here, and I oh, run it. You? It's a nonprofit. Yeah. Oh, you do? Um, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have this little community gym, and when I first moved out here, that was like my biggest fear. I was like, I'm going to have to make my own gym. And yeah. um, I moved out here, and they were like, oh, there's this little gym here. I don't know if a lot of people use it and it's a nonprofit and everything. And so I went to it and I was like, man, this is kind of nice. So it's pretty small. It's like the size of a double wide trailer, maybe, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but there's like a good cardio side and then a weight side and it's got a little bit of everything. And so we do have a tiny gym here. Most of the time, um, when you go, it's, there's nobody else there. So you kind of get a little gym to yourself. Um, we do have some members and stuff and I just kind of run that and manage that now. So it's a lot of fun. I, I I do have a little gym. It's like a quarter mile. Actually, I can see it from my window right now. It's right there. Um, so it's nice and close. And then I also teach a couple just little fitness classes there just to kind of bring the community together and get them motivated to get some movement in. So. Is there, um, do you guys possibly have a website or some t- type of link where people can donate to that non- nonprofit to contribute to that gym out there? I don't, but that would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was it, about to try to look you up with a little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. It, it just goes right into the equipment. Like, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. I replaced it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a link, but maybe I can make one. Good idea. Add that to the list. Yep. <laughs> of all the other things you have going on. <laughs> so, uh, one more time, tell everyone how they can find you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, 
whatever else it may be that you're active on in the name of your um your training company too yeah um so for all of our hunting videos that's on youtube at stuck in the rut stuck in not in um and then that's also on instagram so you can see a lot of our hunting videos there we film all of our hunts and then for me on instagram i'm at tana sue underscore fit i think i don't know i'm not a big social media person <laughs> but i try um yeah. so tana sue fit on instagram tana grenda on facebook or you can just look up bristol bay fitness on facebook we have a business page there um and then we're working on getting a bristol bay fitness instagram page with transformations too to just help inspire people and um yeah awesome <laughs> Is that everything? YouTube, well, Instagram. Sounds good to me. Yep. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I enjoyed it today. Thanks so much for coming on. And everyone, please subscribe to the podcast.